Welcome to the Total Mental Performance Podcast. It's Dan Martin heading the show today, and I am sat with a Evolution client of mine and TMP superstar, Ricky Halfpenny. Ricky, welcome to the podcast. How are you, brother? I'm spot on, thank you, Dan. Really good, mate. Absolute uh, honour to come on, mate. I've been looking forward to this. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. You said this is the first face-to-face podcast you've done outside of the wrestling stuff that you do, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, like, with professional wrestling, I've done quite a lot of podcasts, like, in, in character, if you will, like, semi-character, yeah. uh, talking about how I got into wrestling and things like that. So this is uh, completely completely different for me. Usually that's over a Zoom and I don't have one of these fancy microphones in my face <laughs> or anything like that or plants tickling me ear all. And, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, no, I'm excited, mate. I'm excited. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, you can step into character of being an absolute fucking operator today. <laughs> I'll, I'll certainly yeah. do my best, like, yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I was looking back through some of our um, notes that I made over the course of the work that we did together. And something which you and I have both got in common is the fact that um, we both did steroids at a very young age. I first took some Anavar when I was 16 and then went on to do tests at 17. And um, the godfather of steroids, Trent, at about 19 and really fucked myself up and ended up getting gynecomastia having to have surgery and my hormones have never really got back to where they should be as a result of it and looking back on it now I think it was a stupid thing to do but at the time I was feeling very insecure very unhappy with myself and I thought that by inflating my body artificially I would feel more accepted and confident as a result little did I know it was a complete paradox I ended up feeling like shit as a result of it so I'd love to just get an insight into your early um, early training days and what drove you into taking PEDs at such a young age as well. Yeah, so it was one of the things with PEDs in general. There's There's been times throughout my late teens and into my 20s a little bit where I kind of took them uneducated like a lot of people did. You, you, you know, you're, you're in the gym, you're surrounded by people that are on it that are massive and, you know it kind of inflates who they are. They either become a bigger prick or really, really super nice. Do you, do you know what I mean? So it was just being in that environment. And and like you said, they, it's, it was one of them about trying to feel part of something more, mm. more than anything. Mm. And um, so I started training at a gym. Um, there, was a, there was a proper bodybuilder gym. Like the guy that ran it was um, an older geezer. Um, been Mr. Universe and all that kind of stuff. So it was one of them gyms, all the bodybuilders um, in, in Barrow trained there. And yeah, and you just you just get to know people. And um, I was actually offered steroids by a member there when, when I was 14. Like, um, I always looked a little bit older than what I am, so he weren't offering steroids to kids. He probably thought I was 18 or something like that. Uh, but essentially a bit of time went by, you know, well, but then I've always yo-yoed with that kind of thing. And, when, when I get to the point where um, the testosterone was getting that point and I weren't feeling myself and things like that, I suddenly stopped. So I never really continued like through a full cycle. I'd balloon, then lose it, then get fat. And it was like, I always had this um, this thing in the back of my mind that I wanted to look a certain way and be a certain way. Um, but, 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 but what them instant results, you know? I was never happy just doing it the right way. And, and I think it's about something I've learned over time, it's like, you know, falling in love with the process rather than the result that 
you're probably never going to completely get to anyway because mm. every it changes daily, doesn't it? You know, mm. so uh, yes, that that that, that was, it, it was more the environment and everything that you know, young, naive. I was living in a pub as well, so I thought it was Billy Big Bollocks in that sense as well. So that that was kind of yeah where that came from. Yeah, you said that you uh, started working in the pub at 14 years old. Remind me, what part of the world was the pub in? It was in Barrow and Furnace, Ramshead. It was called. Loved right. it. I fucking loved. Um, yeah. Uh, you don't mind me swearing, do you? I do, I do swear. It's too late now, anyway. It's too it's late. Right. I've been swearing that much already. I didn't even realise that was the first time I was actually cognizant of it. So, hey, what it is, what it is. Uh, this is um, the X-rated version, I suppose. Eh? Um, yeah, so what were we saying there about about the, the, the pub? pub. Yeah, 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 so the Ram's Head in Barrow. So, uh, like, my granddad, I mean, I've been in the pub trade since the 60s. They ran a local club called the 99 Club. They had... Uh, incredible acts on there like you know my granddad was, was there with like Tom Jones and people like this so and then you know my dad would work the door for him and then we'd own pubs um, so it was kind of just like a lineage thing and um, yeah so I didn't work there like as in behind the bar my dad weren't doing anything illegal but it was like um, I'd do the bottling up you, you know what I mean? I'd, I'd, I'd get the bottle, you know, the bottles from the cellar, take them up, put them in the fridge, make sure they were facing forward and all that kind of stuff. Um, and in return, I'd get the keys to the pool table so I could just play as much pool as I wanted to. And and because of that was pretty good uh, at pool, so I, I played like in the, in the team for the pub because at the time the other pubs, like it was before the pub trade was totally fucked and like, you know, there'd be loads of teams in the league. So like people got, I got to know a lot of adults while I was still a kid, mm. you know, so I was friends with a lot of adults, um, you know, for, through that side of things. So it, it helped me grow up quite young in the sense that like um, talking to adults and being around adults and things like that. Because I think like now, like when you look at uh, younger people now, 90% of the kids are stuck on their Xbox playing with their friends through a fucking headset and I think it's pretty sad to be honest but yeah. um, but I, I, I was kind of I, I feel like I was lucky to have that exposure to um, I won't say more mature people because some of the fucking idiots that come in the pub weren't that mature but but you kind of know what I'm, yeah. what I'm saying towards that I hear you well for anybody going into work at age 14 that's going to encourage them to grow up pretty quick you have to there's a level of responsibility that comes with grow, with working in any environment so you worked in a pub at 14 and then you actually came into coaching via the corporate world, didn't you? You went to work in the corporate world. So what were you doing there? Yeah, so, well, to, to be fair, from there, I was in working behind bars. I also worked a, a stint at Next, um, like straight straight from school. I started working at Next. So I was working behind the bars and I was working like in the clothes uh, shop. And then I met a guy um, while I was working behind the bar that ran a scaffolding company. So I started scaffolding for him, did an apprenticeship in that. Then I went offshore doing a little bit of scaffolding and then I went into BAE Systems, um, big shipyard built nuclear submarines. So I went in there as a scaffolder uh, initially and then they, they had a scheme, uh, which high potential scheme it was called, so they put you through college and then you get in at the engineering side of things. So I went through that and then... Um, yeah, and then I, I found myself in an office with all these people that had done graduate schemes and things like that. I was just a scaffolder, do you know what I mean? Just kind of bashing my way through, you know? Um, yeah, and I, I kind of just found myself in that environment. Uh, a little bit out of my depth. There was people there that were super intelligent and that, but the, the, the issue you'd find in a lot of these cases were um, interpersonal skills were fairly poor between them, where, whereas what I lacked in uh, technical knowledge... I was very good at talking to the people that knew 
how to do what I didn't know, how, you, you know. So I kind of got, I kind of got by on, um, I won't say bullshit, but like being able to ask the right people and create a good impression generally. Yeah, yeah. So what what role were you doing when you were working in an office? Um, they called it um, what was my official title? Um, it was a senior operations engineer. That okay. right sounds far more um i didn't really like the title because like there were these genuine engineers that have been to university for years and things like that so like to have that title i thought was a little bit like you mm -hmm. know uh, but it sounded good on paper you know so uh, essentially just ran small projects like yeah. around the site so one of the things i was looking after was like a recycling contract and things like that you know it's a shit that i just wasn't passionate about i didn't really like don't get me wrong like you know we need to look after the environment and all that, but it's like, it, it, like getting up and thinking, oh, I'm going to help these guys segregate mm. their waste in this huge site that are building submarines didn't really, you mm. know, spark my interest, but it was a good job. It was good money. Mm. You know, it, you know, as I said, it, it was good money within, you know, like the, the brackets that what you'd want, you know what I mean? Mm. If, if, if you're a kid and you, you work in a job that's taking you between 30 and 40k a year or whatever, you, you, you'd be like, oh, it's nice. It's comfortable. You get your shares, you get your pension, all that kind of stuff. It was, it was, comf it was comfortable. Yeah. That's, this is a personal belief of mine. It's something which I reflect on quite often, having fairly recently broken out of the matrix. So I was in full-time employment alongside building my TMP calendar up until the end of February and then came on board at TMP full-time as of March. And now I've been out of it for a while. I'm still connected to people who are in employment. It's easy to see that a lot of people are there because it's comfortable. Yeah. But there's an inherent lack of meaning and purpose in pretty much everybody's life. I'd say up to 80, maybe 90% of people who go to work in employment, there is no meaning and purpose. They just go there because they've got a mortgage, they've got a house, they've got a car, they've got kids they need to pay for, they've got bills they need to pay for, and it pays well and it's okay. Yeah. But there's nothing beyond that. It's just surviving more yeah. than anything. And that is why a lot of people recognize that they need more. They want that meaning and they want that purpose. They want to be driving for something which is bigger than them, changing lives, impacting people in a way which employment generally can't give people. Yeah. So they go to coaching or therapy or something along those lines. Yeah. So how did you get from that role to coaching? So just to go back on what you said there, like I, I totally agree with like contentment is a recipe for long-term fucking being miserable. Like I do, I do truly believe that. And I think, you know, in them later teen years as well, just to drop back into there, there, there was a thing where, you know, I'd take cocaine at the weekends, I'd get pissed up every weekend and things like that because I was almost content with everything else that was going on. It was kind of an escape for me and the thought of just being quote unquote normal. And I think that's why I'm in professional wrestling that as well. I can't, I couldn't just conceive just having a normal fucking life. Like, mm. you know, it, it, it bored me so... Um, yeah, so to, to go into the coaching side of things, um, essentially, I've only been coaching for a few years. You know, I've always, I've trained since I was 14. Um, but the actual coaching side of it started during lockdown. So I'd gone through a, a really rough period in my life, very self-destructive. It caused a lot of upset and, um, and, and there was a lot of self-loathing involved. You know, I was blaming everything external when essentially me not talking about the issues that I was suffering with uh, essentially caused me to act out and act like a, a piece of shit and then blame the whole world for the fact that, you know, 
I I couldn't keep my shit together, you know. So that you know, that that's a different story for a different day. But from there, it took a bit of time for me to look in the mirror and just take full responsibility for my own actions. Do you know what I mean? It was like, and I think that's like true in life. If you don't take full responsibility for everything and accept things as they are and where you are right now, there's no way you can move forward. If you're always romanticizing about how things used to be and that you're never going to fucking get anywhere, you know? So, and that's something I realized. And it literally just took one day, look at yourself in the mirror, um, literally right at the start of lockdown. And I was just feeling shit about myself. I was like, I didn't really like the way I was looking, but it, it weren't really the, the lucky thing. It was more the way I was feeling. So I joined a, I joined a program that a lot of the guys um, on uh, that I wrestled with uh, were on. A, a, a guy called uh, Nush, who runs a program called the Thirty Six Week Physique. Um, he was running that program at the time, and I went through it and completely changed. It changed everything for me in the sense that I was feeling fit, I was feeling stronger, I was getting some kind of routine back in my life. COVID fucked everyone's routine up, didn't it? So it was like, to be honest, I probably got into the best physical condition in my life without the gyms being open because I didn't have them external stimuluses. You know, you know, I'd, I'd gone through a breakup, I was on my own. So it was like, I had control of what foods were in the cupboard. I had control of fucking everything. And I, and I actually built these these standards. And, um, and, and then during that time, I met um, Helen, that I'm engaged to now, she's absolutely amazing, totally changed, changed my life again. Um, but she lived four hours away mm. and I was working this job. I'd, I owned a house in Barrow um, and the opportunity came for a, a lady who was living, um, who was renting a house off my best friend. Um, she moves he was selling his house so she had to find somewhere to live. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to let her rent my house and that's going to force me to do what I want to do and that's be down here with Helen and just get on with my life and that. And then at that point, that's when I started getting into coaching, did all, you know, finished all my courses uh, that I'd already been playing with. I'd already been doing a little bit on the side of programming and stuff like that. But I thought, fuck it, I'm going all in. And then... Uh, and then it grew, and then it just grew from there, and, and that's where, like, you know, the program that I run now, and the fellas that I've helped, um, yeah, it's, it's fucking, it's brilliant, it's brilliant, and that's kind of because, uh, you know, I know Tony Robbins says it a lot, but it's like, you know, if you want to take the island, burn the boats, and it kind of was that. It was like, right, she's living in my house now. I've got nowhere to fucking, I've got nowhere to live. Mm. My partner's, you know, happy for me to come in and move there converted a garage into a little personal training gym, started with one-on-ones, like flyering around the local area and things like that on the estate. People started coming to that, started building up an online presence and invested in myself, you know, into learning actually how to market effectively. And then and then you guys as well, which has been life-changing for me, like, and brought me to where I'm sat now, which is cool as fuck. And uh, yes, that, that's kind of, yeah. Sorry if that was a little bit drawn out, but that's kind of... Um, yeah, how, no, how we got awesome. to this point. Yeah, that's awesome. That gives us so much to explore. And uh, there's one thing that you said in there, which resonated with me around the taking drugs piece. And this, I can't even remember who said this. I think it might have been Alex Hormozy. That might be who I picked it up from. But he said, if you keep running away from reality, then there's no way that you can change reality. And that's exactly what I was doing when I was going out and partying on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday night. Yeah. I just didn't want to face reality. It was so much easier for me to just go and put my nose into a bag of cocaine than mm. it was to recognize that I was running away from so much 
core wounding and shame and regret and disgust at the way that I was living my life that I just went out and drank until 4 or 5 a.m. I didn't have to think about that. Yeah. But it doesn't go anywhere. These problems don't disappear. They're still there, bubbling away beneath the surface. And it's almost like somebody gently turning up the dial on the cooker until it eventually just erupts over. Like you've got pasta on the go. You know, when it all comes up and it goes all over the cookie, you're like, fuck's sake, I've done it again. That's That's what happens. But it just comes in the form of anxiety, depression, or overwhelm, usually. That, that's it and the thing is though it's like you know going out and spending time with friends and go to the pub and going on the beer and I, I still love that shit I enjoy it you know I was talking to you about it you know maybe packing and drinking and having a break for you and that but it's like do you know what I enjoy it do you know what I mean but I, but I use it like I don't drink every, it might be once a month have a drink like I went, I went, I went to the pub with, with Helen last night and you know she had half a lager and I had a glass of Diet Coke and just sat there with the dog it was nice you know what I mean I don't drink for the sake of it anymore or for a certain feeling I do it in a social environment when I feel like I want to um, because it has been self-destructive in the past um, because I'd never go out with the intentions for example of taking coke but I'd get five or six pints in and I know someone who knows someone that can sort do, do you know what I mean and then and then before you know it it's fucking eight o'clock on a Sunday morning and we try to convince ourselves that we can text some geezer to get us more do you know what I mean it's fucking it's stupid mm. um, you know looking back on it it makes me shudder a little bit but, um, but yeah but it's part of part of the whole process that's kind of got us to where we are so it's um, yeah it couldn't have gone any other way and you know why because it didn't that's pretty it. simple. That's it. Everything, it's a very cliche thing to say, but I truly do believe that everything happens for a reason. You know, there have been plenty of doors which have closed in my face in the past. And at the time it was awful. It was, it was traumatic and stressful. But every single one of those doors closing has led to another door being opened, which has then taken me to where I am here. Yeah. Therefore, everything did happen, have to happen for a reason because I'm incredibly grateful for what I've got right now. And it's only as a result of those doors which were closed. Yeah. So if you were to cast your mind back over the program and the work that we've done together, what would you say is a real standout moment for you in something that you've overcome yourself? Um, It it was one of the first calls that we we went on and and we went pretty deep and we're talking about an experience that happened to me when I was 15 years old. and realizing that it wasn't really my fault issue, um, yeah. Without going too far, too far into it, and just re- almost learning like a little bit of self compassion. And I know that could be quite cliche and everything like that, but like you know, good people do stupid shit sometimes, and it's learning to to forgive yourself and and, and move forward instead of you know trying to almost make everyone else like you and like try and claw onto something that it's like, I'm not a bad person though. Do do, 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 do you know what I mean? Instead of just accepting that it's like, look, this happened now, I need to take responsibility for it and how can I be better? You know, so so like you were saying there, it's everything happens for a reason. Um, There's been people in the past that I wish I never hurt, but everything's led me to where I am now and that's I'm getting to help the, the, the incredible clients that I've got um, I've got beautiful fiance I've got an awesome dog <laughs> you know like and 
and, and the world's a pretty good place, but that that came from accepting and um, and moving forward and not thinking right, my life my, my life's over now, um, you know, because it hasn't worked out the way that I expected it to, to. Do you know what I mean? When reality don't meet expectation and all that kind of stuff, it can it can send you west. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know for me right now, uh, the life I've got, it's I, I literally wouldn't change it for the world. Mm. Literally wouldn't change it for the world. The mm. only thing is. Like I live four hours away from a lot of my closest friends, so I wish I could see them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's um, the power of technology means that I spend ninety percent of my time looking on, like looking on my phone and WhatsApp of an evening. And there's one hundred and fifty messages off them sending stupid fucking pictures and stuff like that. So I still get me fix of them. So yeah, yeah. And we also did quite a lot of work on structure. Yes. So you didn't really have a lot when we first started working together. It was kind of quite scatty and working here, there and everywhere. What's changed for you within the topic of structure and how you approach your working week? Yeah. So yeah, it's structure for me has changed a hell of a lot now. So to like, to kind of move away from like the stuff in the past to exactly where I am now, like, it took time because like, we, we, we kind of did that twice together, didn't we? We talked about, right, what's your ideal structure? And then about two weeks ago, we looked at like, right, what's your, what, what's your structure now? And some things stuck and some things didn't stick. And it's one of them things where it's like, you know, when people tell you, right, you need to do this at this time, this at this time, this at this time, you know, you need to get up in the morning, then you need to get in an ice bath and post it on Instagram because you're tough and, and all this kind of horse shit. But it's like, you got to find what works for you, you, you know? And it's like, and it's trying different things. Like, you know what I mean? I've trained at five in the morning um, and then gone and walked the dog and then had a cold shower and then, you know, and it's, 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 it's literally just trialing different things. And But it's actually like, like, I'm not someone like, we spoke about this, like, I'm not someone who sits there in journals every night. I don't get from it what, some other people get from it. If I think there's something I need to like write down and think about, but I always take cognizance of how I'm feeling at the end of the day. If I, if I, if, if I'm feeling tired at 4 PM regularly, I look at what's happened in that day, but then I also build around it, right? What am I going to be doing at 4 PM each, each day? If that makes sense. I'm using that as an example, because that's usually how I feel. So I avoid taking calls at that time. I front load my morning with work to make sure I've got everything done that I need to. And then at 4 p.m., that's usually when Helen's coming home or whatever anyway, so I can spend a bit of time, you know, talk, you know, talking to her. And then I'll go back into doing a little bit of work in the evening, but like just light stuff generally. And then um and then also having my work phone and my personal phone. So my personal phone doesn't have any social media on it. It's it's literally the only conversations that go on in there are with with Helen and my f- friends WhatsApp group. That's literally it. There's not nothing else on there. Um, and and getting good at compartmentalizing things. So when my, my work phone goes off, it goes off. Has uh, really changed things for me. So like structure wise, I'm in such a good spot now. And something we talked about, you know, cues of having different areas for different tasks. So it's like. I used to try and force myself to work in the morning in in the converted garage, which is a gym and got a little office set, like a little office set, what I said, fucking office set, but he's got a desk and a chair there. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I used to try and force myself to work from there and I couldn't be productive there. So I joined the local golf club. I don't play golf, I'm useless at it. Um, don't have the patience, the ball's too small. But I go there every morning at around 8 a.m. and 
what I do is I, I just I get a coffee there, start working at eight eight uh, a.m., finish at round about ten thirty. So just two and a half hours of solid work. And I'm getting more done in that two and a half hours than I usually would in like, I'd say even two days, like let alone, you know, because I just write down the time. I've got my non-negotiables for the day. They, they just simply have to be done today um, the, when it comes to the business within that two and a half hours. And, and I get them nailed off in such such a quick amount of time. So rather than thinking about absolutely everything, I'll prioritize that. I'll prioritize the task. So I have different things for each day that I focus on. Like Monday, it might be check-ins. Tuesdays, it might be building content. Like so, I'll get my non-negotiables done. Then I'll have my list of things that I need to do within that area. And then on a, on a Wednesday, generally, unless the workload's really high, on the afternoon, I'll um, a concept that you guys told us about is having a king day. So on a Wednesday afternoon, I'll get rid of all electronics, everything like that, and I'll just. Um, I just go for a long walk with the dog. I might even have a nap on the sofa. Why not? Mm. And uh, yeah, so having that structure is just—it's just made things a lot smoother, a lot more predictable. Even even with my eating, like cause I was someone that thought, you know what I mean? You know, I've got to be muscular as hell. I've got to have six meals a day. I've got to have me 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 oats, my protein shake, my fruit, and that in the morning. Like like right now, as we're recording this, it's. I don't know what time is about half 11 or something like that. I haven't eaten today yet because I generally fast till lunchtime. I feel great. I feel full of energy, full of beans because that's what's working for me. So rather than having them six meals a day, I'll have one meal around about one o'clock ish. So like after I've finished that work at half 10, there's a gym there. I'll go, I'll use that gym. I'll go home. I'll, I'll make some food, eat that, take the dog for a walk, like clockwork, and then do a little bit of something else. Then it's that four o'clock period. And then, um, yeah, and then literally again there, I'll do a little bit more work, phone off, walk the dog, eat literally only my second meal of the day, and that does me. And physically and mentally, I'm probably in the best condition I've been ever, mm. to be fair. Mm. It's because you're backing yourself. And this is something that not a lot of people are able to do, myself included, for a long time. I was operating from a series of, conditioned beliefs about how I was supposed to live my life. And this is something which is very common in the personal development world where people are constantly reading books about how things should be done. And not everyone is gonna be productive at 5 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, Some people, it's the complete opposite. Everybody is gonna have peak performance hours whereby they're most productive at a certain time of the day. And to just read a book like the 4 a.m. club or whatever it is and expect that that's gonna work for you, is an unrealistic expectation to place upon yourself because you have completely unique neurology and physiology that needs to be honored and understood. And that comes with a lot of analysis. Yeah. But then there's a fine line between positive analysis and over analysis, which then leads to paralysis. Yeah. What yeah. you've described there is we tried something, we left it in place for a while, we looped back around, is it working? Yes, some of it, not all of it. Yeah. What needs to change, we tweak it. And now, as you've just said, you're in a place whereby <laughs> you're the best you have been mentally and physically. And that's become as a result of constant experimentation. And this is something else which I explained to you as we were working our way through. Approach life like a scientist. Everything's an experiment. What does a scientist do? They turn up at the lab every day with the intention of proving or disproving a hypothesis. 
if they disprove a hypothesis, they're not getting emotional and upset about that because what they've got then is data and it's solid and it yeah. empowers them to make better decisions moving forward. And that's all that we've been doing. We've just been testing hypothesis after hypothesis, figuring out which ones are proved, which ones are disproved, disregarding the disproved hypothesis and keeping and then optimizing the ones which we have proved. And that's now got you to the place that you're in right now, which is feeling a lot more positive and a lot more content. And the performance of your business, Ricky, how's that doing now compared to when we first started working together? It's so much smoother. And I think the main thing is like, because essentially when it comes to coaching and it comes to like training nutrition plans, it's like, there's so many different ways of doing it. There's so many different, but I think when it comes to that personal touch, that's what gets the real results. And I'm, I'm giving so much more to, to my guys on the program now without it feeling like more. So they're getting much more from it. So like I mentioned to them this morning that I'm coming on the podcast and, and, we, and we've got a, a group there and they're all like so, so happy for me and so supportive. And then like each day they post in the group, like, you know, sometimes there's guys saying, look, I'm not feeling so good at the moment. My head's not in the right spot. Comes into the group. I don't even need to say anything because they all jump on and all support each other. And then an hour later, there's a selfie of them in the gym. Smash, you know, smashed it. Thanks lads. It really helped. Like that's brilliant that, that that's the culture i wanted to set up i didn't want to just give people training plans and nutrition plans i wanted to genuinely change people's lives in the way that my life's been changed um just by accepting support and realizing that you know sometimes it's okay to to reach out and ask for support in areas that you want to grow mm. and uh yeah it, it, it's fucking cool to see and it's like um there's a lot going on with it at the moment and like I say, the, the guys that are on it are absolutely smashing. We're getting some great, you know, physical and mental transformations. And that, that, to be fair, it's like where the mind goes, the body will follow anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's getting these people out of stopping thinking about, oh no, like getting emotional about the scales and things like that. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like when, when they start to fall in love with the process, things just change for them. And that comes, you know, with, um, you know, that comes from, from the mind and building them habits and taking cognizance of how good they feel from it. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's grown to that point that over the next couple of months, I'm I'm kind of drawing out what version 2.0 of like the refuel rebuild and reunite program looks like, and where I'm going to take it from now, and how I'm going to deliver it to make sure that you know they're getting everything um, for the mental performance side of things, the physical performance, and um, yeah, and just 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 everything because I what like I say I, I don't work with everyone like because i'll only work with people that truly 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 want the best out of life and and are gonna you know go all in and mm. make it happen not mm. people that are just dipping the toe in mm. you know so it's a bit it's a very fortunate position to be in because obviously when i first started out and i left that well-paid job it was like oh, i need money i need money i need money i need money mm. now it's like i'm happy to turn someone away if i don't think i'm the right person to help them i'll always try and put them in the right direction someone that can help them i don't just dismiss people but it's almost unfair of me to take somebody on that i don't feel like um i can truly help in the capacity that they want me to and yeah. then the energy that i put in trying to help them people is taken away from the people that, that are in there that i truly can help mm. 
So yeah, it's, it's it's been a massive like saying it out loud actually just makes me realise just like the shift in perspective that I've had from it. So it's uh, yeah, it's in a great great place. Yeah, that's awesome. And it sounds to me like you've mastered the art of zooming out. And what I mean by that is, um, I use an analogy from stock trading here. So in forex trading or stock trading, you've got the little charts, mm. right? Green represents climb, a bull run, as it's known. Or red represents a bear run. Bull because the horns go up, bear because the claws go down. And the reason I mentioned that within the context of zooming out is a lot of coaches will have a tendency to hyperfixate on the minute by minute, day by day situa- situational um, happenings within their business. So um, it was actually the point that you mentioned about your client on scales that's triggered me onto this because people look at scale weight and it fluctuates a lot, right? Just like yeah. the revenue in your business will fluctuate a lot. Coaching is inherently volatile. It's going to be um, containing a lot of ups and downs. The art of zooming out will allow you to get so much more perspective and it's relevant to stock trading because if you're looking at minute by minute trades, it's going to be very up and down. But if you're in doubt, zoom out and what you'll likely see is that there's a tendency to climb over the long term yeah or in the case of scale weight drop over the long term but if you're hyper fixating on a day by day you're going to see volatility which means you're going to feel like you're not progressing same as your business if you're looking at your clients which are dropping away and you're thinking oh shit what's going on zoom out take a look at the bigger picture because i can almost guarantee that over the past year two three years your business revenue has grown or your client's scale weight has dropped. So the point is, if in doubt, zoom out. And that's what you're now doing. Absolutely. Looking at the bigger picture. And the guys that are coming away from the program now, the majority of them now, like even any that I can think of in recent times, have just graduated. Mm. They've got everything they need from it. They're in the best physical condition. They've built great habits. They're, they're in a, a great mental spot. And it's like... You know, they, they could stay, you know, just, you know, for the for the support and the and the group. And so they have the training and things like that. But essentially, they've got what they came for. Mm. And and that's a that's a brilliant feeling. And, and to touch on what you said there as well, like, rather than thinking, oh, I need to take more people, I need to take more people, I need to take more people on. It's like, I know that in the next few months, we're going to be launching a new version of the program that's going to mean I can help more men feel absolutely incredibly, you know, physically and mentally by accepting that over this next couple of months, there's not going to be the massive waves of people coming in and focusing on the guys that I've got um, to know that I can help on such a a grander scale down the line, you know? Mm. So like, like you say there about scale weight from a income side of things and that it's like, I'm not concerned or worried that I'm not going to hit my biggest month ever in June. I know that, I accept that, you know, and I've come away from that mindset where it's more, more money, 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 like I need to survive to like, say, how many lives can I impact? Because that's directly going to correlate with that, which is going to give me, you know, more freedom to do the things I want and bring in the right team to support in them areas. And it means I can do the things that I enjoy doing, you know, with Helen and my friends and things like that. Because I'm one of them people, I'm not, a very materialistic person. Like I've literally got to work like 20, pair, pair, 20 quid pair of jeans on and a work t-shirt today. You know, I'm not one of them kind of people. I like going and doing things, you know, so it's going to open up, you know, the more in lives I can impact, it means 
the more experiences you know I can have for me and my loved ones as well, which is grips you know, be in really. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. Looking beyond you. Yeah. Looking at the bigger picture. Now look, Ricky, I know you said you're not a materialistic person. So I hope that what I'm about to do is received in the right way. Yeah. Because I've got something material for you. And that is your TMP hat as a result of coming towards the end of your program. So oh, I'd it. like to give that to you. No, I, do you know what? I needed a cap to be fair, actually. Did you? Yeah. So these caps, for anyone listening, Kieran will have probably spoken about this before, but the Ooh. TMP caps can't be purchased. The only way somebody will get their hands on a TMP cap is by working their way through the program and ultimately graduating. Now you have graduated the evolution program that you decided to stay on and continue working with us on our momentum option, which is what all clients come to at the end of the um, 18 week evolution program, whereby the coaching takes a slightly different turn. It's a little bit more accountability based and bigger picture looking to the future and kind of setting sights on what's next. So I'd love to know if there's somebody who's resonated with your story and what you've said here today, Ricky, what would you say to them if they were thinking about doing some work on their mental performance? Sim- simply do it. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, like I said before about con- like even the people that are content, that are like toying with the idea in it, like what's, there's no benefit in staying still, you know? And I know for me personally, if I didn't put the self work in, I didn't invest in the areas I want to improve in, I don't know if I'd even be here at all anymore. And I think, you know, I, it's, it's changed my life. It's improved my life. It, it, and it's brought me to a great spot. So if you, if there are areas you know, of mental performance that you want to improve in if you're tired all the time, if, if, you're, if you're emotionally volatile and the slightest thing pisses you off and that, and you, and you want to improve yourself, then, then do it. Simply, like, you know, reach out, speak to someone. Speak to someone, you know, and, like, a thing that's really important is only, tech pe- only, only accept advice from people that are in a position to give you it. Mm. You know, there's lots of people in your life that are going to be like, oh, just be careful, don't push too hard or you know it's like and generally they're going to be trying to protect you mm-hmm. you know it might be your partner it might be your mum and things like that because change like things are going to change as you as you start to change as a person um but it's, it's about going all in mm-hmm. it's about it's about going out like don't dip your toe in if you want to make a massive change in your life then fucking do it mm. i love that and final question which you knew was coming in this your only, words. Yeah, this is the only one that I semi, semi-prepared for while I was driving down today. Yeah. In your words, Ricky, how would you define total mental performance? So I'll probably balls it up now, even though I thought about it. But uh, no, it's, it's the ability to compartmentalise. You know, so you, you can um, be optimal in all areas of your life. So like if you've had a bad day at work, it's being able to take, take your work hat off at the door and come in and be a partner and not bring that emotion you know from your shit day at work into your home life um and then if you've had an argument with the with the missus for example it's being able to like right i need to just park out there i'm i'm now in the gym and i need to focus on that and and i think balance is something people talk about a lot and like balance doesn't come down to time balance comes down to the effort that you can put into the different compartments of your life that's what i think anyway and that's what i found um 
yeah, so being able to compartmentalise and also um, controlling your emotions and and, te- and taking a moment when, um, you know, if you're starting to get angry, it's being able to understand what's happening and having that toolkit to kind of, you know, get up, go for a walk or something like that before you punch a wall or something like that and bust your hand up. So I, I'd, 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 I'd say I'd say that's what total mental performance is for me personally. I love that. It's funny. Every time I hear punching a wall, I don't know. Have you seen The Office, The American Office? I haven't actually. You haven't? No. I'm sure there'll be some people who are listening. Me and my girlfriend, we've got a joke about this whenever I get, one of us gets triggered. There's a scene in that, there's several scenes actually, where a guy um, called Andy Bernard, who is the same person who loses their tooth and gets a tattoo on their face in the Hangover movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. just got this overwhelming anger where he'll just put his fist through a wall and <laughs> just scream. And I resonate with that because I used to punch balls as a kid. But anyway, we won't get into that. But thankfully, we're not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. You're not, a, you're I, not I, needing I have, to punch I have balls. been there. Like, I've had busted knuckles a couple of times for not being able to control, yeah. control my emotions. Um, usually, well, not usually, 100% of the time on inanimate objects that uh, don't move. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you heard it here first. Total winner performance will prevent you from pulling an Andy Bernard. Ricky, brother, thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Where can people find you on socials? Um, on Instagram, it's Ricky underscore Halfpenny underscore Fitness. Uh, that's where you can find myself and uh, all the information about the Refuel, Rebuild and Reignite um, program. And that's generally the main the main space I use. Um, I do have um, Facebook um, that, that I also use as well, which just Ricky Halfman, you'll be able to find me on there. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank My you for pleasure. listening, everyone. Take care. So that's us for today, team. I want to say a huge thank you for spending this portion of your life listening to us. A couple of things before you disappear. If you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find all of our daily content on mindset and hitting peak performance at Total Mental Performance or our website, www.totalmentalperformance.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You'll find us on Spotify, uh, the Apple Podcasts and all the other various different platforms. Big love. Thank you ever so much. And we're looking forward to speaking with you soon.